My name's Maya, and this week I love the OC because of pink velour tracksuits. My name is Dan, and I love the OC because I'm a strong, strapping man, and it's time for some heavy lifting. My name is Curbs, and this week I love the OC because the Coens have an excellent variety of breakfast cereal. My name is Mark, and this week I love the OC because, hey, I said no video game. So you might as well forget Welcome back to the show. It's season one, episode three, The Gamble. We love the OC. God, what a good episode. It's such a good episode. I'm really excited to talk about this episode in particular for a lot of reasons, but mostly because this is when we, this is like an origin story. The first three episodes are the origin story for the rest of the series, right? It's like, this is how the family got Ryan. And I think that's really cool and really important. And I'm very excited. I do appreciate that it answered one of the questions that I had in my head with with my rewatch of this because I still don't totally like the the part of my brain that stores the OC is not totally active yet, so I don't remember every <laughs> single detail. Um, you should work on that. But it did answer the question of wait, he stays with them for a while. How is this legal? <laughs> <laughs> it also and this is actually I mean I've I've seen these first three episodes so many times, but re- the recording of this podcast has made me conscience, consciously think about the timeline of this thing that's going on, and it just seems like it's three days with <laughs> so many parties. This is the first time we actually saw them like go to work. Like Sandy goes to work in this episode. Like he goes away, like to a place called work for once. Yeah. And leaves Kirsten at home who who is now working from home, presumably to watch over Ryan, I guess. So so I all right, I've got theories about this, but first about about the time shifting nature. <laughs> The, the time bubble that pe- residents of Orange County live in. Uh, but first, let's get with a recap. Let's, yeah, let's get with a recap. Let's review the, the big points of this. Curbs, what does Wikipedia say? Uh, Wikipedia says, Sandy comes to Ryan's rescue once again. Kirsten decides to invite Dawn to an elite casino night, but she gets lost in the sauce, disappointing Ryan. Woo! <laughs> Don believes Ryan is better off with the Coens, leaving him with Sandy and Kirsten. So that is a gross oversimplification, <laughs> but I really like a lot of the Lost in the sauce. <laughs> but like, let's obviously dive deeper, right? So yeah. where we left off last episode, right, the, the two uh, strapping young men, uh, Luke and Ryan, are getting dragged away into a police car. And when we come to find them again, they are both in, well... I'm presuming it's still the Ju- juvenile detention center, but JDC. And uh, at the JDC, uh, Luke is being greeted by his very white family, um, like just just white bread, and they're just hugging him. And then Sandy Cohen comes in and talks to Ryan, and it's super great because Kirsten has dropped all charges. Yay! Um, for burning down the model home. Yeah, for burning down the model home, which is actually like legit, like the fact that she would do that. It um, seems like a like a also just like a business decision, not like a personal decision. Sure. She was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. They have they can recoup it, right? That house was cursed. I'm but, pretty sure she said that. I think the, the house was cursed. Um recuperate. Recuperate. <laughs> so of course Sandy says to Ryan, you know, 
I could release you to a care of a parent, but if not, basically it's going to be 30 to 60 days in this JDC. Which is not good because apparently this juvenile detention center is fucking Oz. Yeah. Like it is. <laughs> <laughs> like I think he gets he gets into three fights. Yeah. It's very it's very typical, like Ryan sort of like jaw clenched, not trying to get into shit, but some guy's like, hey, buddy, you want to fight? Well, and like Sandy Cohen going in there is just, I don't know, it's just kind of funny because Sandy Cohen literally starts by trying to cut the mood by saying, we got to stop meeting like this. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Sandy, what are you doing? I mean, like, I get it, but like, it's not going to work. Sandy, there's no laugh track in prison. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he says like, it's going to be okay. And then Ryan gives him like another brooding, like my mom ditched me. I burned your wife's house down. How is this going to be okay? And then he goes and gets uh, pushed by a, a strong Latino man. Sandy Cohen walks away, and we hit the intro video. I can't not point out, because I've been rewatching Veronica Mars lately. I was going to say. The mean Latino. Is it Kristen Bell? No, yeah, the mean Latino. <laughs> it's Kristen Bell. It's wow. Kristen Bell. Wow. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's the guy who plays uh, uh, Weevil on Veronica Mars, who is actually really, really good. And since that's another show that takes place in like a fictional rich California. I like to think that it's the same guy. So here's my deal. Uh, we After the theme song happens again, we get another Rosa sighting. Yes. Uh, by the way, Latino representation so far in the show, right? <laughs> they're either shaky. a servant or they're beating up Ryan. Yeah, and it's just one of the two. Do we want to take any and make any bets on whether it gets any better? Mm, no. Well, <laughs> no, we'll no. see. Because uh, you can't have a bet if we all take the same side of it. <laughs> but this way, if it does get better, we'll all be pleasantly surprised. There you it's go. true. So, so I, okay, I get that Seth is grounded, but um, he kind of like sulks into the kitchen because Kirsten's working from home and she's about to go meet with the Newports. What are they called? The Noopsies? Noopsies. She's about to go meet with the Noopsies. Uh, and Sandy is pissed off about the Noopsies um, and having to interact so with the, them. The Noopsies are the other housewives of Orange County who it is sort of implied that none of them have jobs. They all sort of do social planning, party yeah. planning. And uh, Kirsten uh, runs this business and is also a mom and wife and also does the social planning. And that's sort of like kind of a, they sort there's sort of a, a little... Cattiness about that. Yeah, they're sort of like, oh, she's she's not she's spreading herself too thin. Uh, Seth kind of like broods around the kitchen uh, for a little bit because he's like upset about being grounded. It's some solid brooding. Yeah, I wrote he's can be kind of being a little bit can be a little asshole. Like, he's a little being bit. a dick. Yeah, I interpreted it more as like. He was pissed that they're abandoning Ryan. Yeah, yeah. and he Not then so later much. expresses that. But at yeah. first it definitely just seems like teen angry, like grounded me. Uh, right? But I, like, that, I did that. Which is really <laughs> like, funny. That was me. Which is really funny because as we saw before the events of Ryan coming to the OC, Seth never did anything outside the house anyway other than ride in his like uh, summer breeze, right? That was all he did. And so, like, all of a sudden, now that Ryan is there, he's kind of upset about the idea of being cooped in. But it's like, that's all you did before Ryan was here. <laughs> if, he's cooped, um, if he's cooped up but can't play video game. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's right. He cannot play video game. Um, what are you going to do in that giant house? So, I have just one complaint. Rosa enters the kitchen. Kirsten turns to Rosa and gives her the phrase, Rosa, can you make sure the scones go inside? To which Rosa then goes to the living room. What? <laughs> go inside where? Go inside what? 
Why are the scones outside? <laughs> the scones outside. So they have a separate kitchen just for Rosa that isn't their kitchen. The one that actually gets cooked in. Yeah, the one that Rosa it's cooks called, in. You don't have a scone kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> or it's an easy bake oven. Or it's code. <laughs> This this could be code. It is code. Kirsten Cohen is running a drug trade. We never find out about it. Julie Cooper makes her grand entrance into this house with like a trail of bitchy women behind her. Yeah, she's kind of their leader. Yeah, you and, get that and, sense. and and she literally says to the effect later on, like they never get anything done without me. But Sandy Cohen is leaving for work, and she gives them the nobody blames you for bringing him into this community about Ryan, and it's like it kind of comes out of nowhere. To which Sandy responds, I'm going to bring somebody else into the neighborhood, maybe a black kid, maybe an Asian kid, and then leaves. <laughs> I do like, um, there's a few back and forth, like really snarky back and forth with Juju and Sandy this episode. And I, I do actually kind of like their little banter. Oh. It feels like it's always in- nothing but mean, but it does feel a little bit endearing. Like it's mean, but it's not malicious. They don't hate each other. They're both they're both playing roles. They it don't seems really like, like there's each some other. acknowledgement of it's that. It's definitely biting, but not like bad. So then all the noopsies are sitting down uh, for a nice little brunch to talk about whether it's casino night or Vegas night or Monte Carlo night. Can't be Monte Carlo night because can't have two black tie events in one month. There's a there's a rule about that. There's a rule. To which Kirsten kind of skirts it by saying she needs to go take care of the thing. <laughs> which, <laughs> like, she was sitting down with these women for maybe 15 seconds before <laughs> she she, could say. she couldn't stand them anymore. The I have to go um the thing <laughs> makes me I watched this episode four times and every time I was like <laughs> I couldn't handle how poorly she handled, handled that. that. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't then, she have like a pager yeah, that she, she can, can like look at and just be like, oh, holy shit. Yeah. I have to make a call. Can't it's, she make something I think up? I'm getting a text message. Like, oh, Rosa for, forgot to put the scones inside. inside. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. My the other. Scones are outside. My other model home burned down. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, she leaves and then Julie gives the, uh, you know, she's under such stress. Her son was friends with that boy. I love it. So then she goes She goes outside with a mimosa, because who wouldn't? I'm sorry, it was a Bellini. I was going to say. It was, it was a Bellini. Bellini. I don't know. That, what's the difference? A Bellini cocktail is a mixture of Prosecco, sparkling Aperol? wine, and... No, I fucking wish. That's an Avril spritz, my dude. Uh, Prosecco and peach puree or nectar. Oh. Nectar. <laughs> nice. So anyway, she goes outside enjoying a nice Bellini by herself. By the way, wait. In clear view of any window. She's not hiding. Like, she didn't go to the pool house. She's just outside. These women don't know what the thing is. Yeah, good point. Because <laughs> they don't work. Yeah. So, like, they have no, the thing could be anything. They were They were waiting for Kirsten to leave so they could gossip about it. 100%. Yeah, they they like, actually needed that. And then she go. catches Seth. Kirsten is in this habit, by the way, of, like, accidentally walking somewhere and catching somebody doing something. And it keeps happening later in the episode. That's kind of her role. It's definitely her role. And she doesn't do it on purpose. She's not being nosy. She literally is outside. And then Seth sneaks out of the house to try to go visit Ryan in prison. He was, at which going, point, he was going to skateboard there. Yeah. Yes. 
So Carol Brady mom, I cringe. She's like, Seth, I am not a perfect Carol Brady mom. And like the delivery was, it was the first time like I didn't believe a statement somebody made in the thing. And I think it's because maybe the actress who plays her was just not buying that line and she went with it anyway. Because it was not great. And then it made me happy because then she like quickly gave that up right away because she Mm -hmm. isn't the perfect Carol Brady mom. And rather than sit with Julie for one more second. Yeah. Decides to go to the JDC. She's like, Juvie is better than this. Juvie is better than the noopsies. <laughs> so, smash cut, scene. We enter the Cooper household. Marissa doing her hair. Summer going to try on a top. Doesn't care that dad's home. Dad's always home. Summer. What's uh, up with that? Yeah. <laughs> what's up with that? By the way, can I mention, Summer says, Summer, like, she's asked good questions so far. Yeah. Like, when they were at the party, she's like, what's going on with you, Coop? You've been different lately. She's not wrong. This time it was like, hey, your dad's doing something different than normal. What's up with that? And Marissa's like, Meh. right. <laughs> Summer is, like, legitimately being a good friend. Like, she's asking the right questions. She's yeah. very observant and then does absolutely nothing <laughs> with the information yeah, that she gets. Because I think she's, Takes like, it at face value. I she just takes it, at, yeah, takes it at face value, which I think you should be able to do from one of your best friends. She gives a great line, which is, he burned a house down over you. That's hot. Which I really literally hot. I just realized that right. was a pun. It's a pun. <laughs> um, I did not, I did, I wrote it down. So anyway, Seth comes over. Uh, with good old Jimmy to check and see if Marissa wants to maybe come down to Juvie. Um, by the way, Marissa at this point has tried calling Luke many times. Luke's not responding. Uh, they get to the door. Door opens up. Summer actually doesn't care. She's not embarrassed at all, but she is wearing just a bra and I'm assuming very short shorts. I, I couldn't tell because I was too busy paying attention to Seth's reaction, which <laughs> is golden. I really hate Seth's haircut in that one. (laughs) It's too, his hair is, it starts to flip up like skater wings, but it's not Mm. confident enough to really pull it off. It's too short to do it. He just looks like he has like a helmet on his head. He's starting to grow it. This is now, Ryan has now liberated him. For sure. As a woman, he's he's liberated. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's growing into himself. I love that he introduces himself though. Summer, Seth Cohen. He's really, he's really fun to me though because his whole reaction was exactly what my reaction would be which is just like hey look it's somebody that I have a crush on and they're naked in front of me and I don't know what to do with this information and so, he just kind of stands there for a while like I, ah. and sort of like he's just, broken yeah just shuts down yeah. Yeah. So like, oh, that, uh, but, he's, then, but it's not it's not like super dumb like Looney Tunes like no. it's like he's kind of laughing through it too yeah, like, which, is, which is pretty endearing he's he like this is so he's like already looking at it in retrospect like oh god <laughs> so Marissa comes to the door mostly shuts it and and has a conversation with him. Uh, well, she go, yeah, shut the door. Yeah. She goes. She goes. What's that? What's that? You need a ride to a Star Trek convention uh, or Star Wars? It was Star Wars Star convention. Wars. Yeah. And, and he's like, you he couldn't goes, have at least given me X Men. Yeah, you couldn't I'm have like, at least hey. given me X Men. Which why would that be better? Then Marissa Cooper says it's too complicated. Uh, she doesn't want to go to the JDC because it's too complicated. And Seth cannot believe her, but doesn't really fight her because he's like, oh, this is confirming of what I believe in you already, which is that you're kind of. This fickle yeah, he, being. He pulls that. I thought we were all friends, yeah. which is funny because the last episode he was very much not her friend yeah. at all. And then he turns and leaves. Then we go to the JDC. Woo! Uh, sorry, it's just loving the Latina representation. Uh, <laughs> Seth and Kirsten 
going to jail was it, it's a pretty good scene like Seth gives him a wave like hey you're in juvie but I'm gonna wave at you like and then Ryan doesn't know what to do because he can't show weakness we um, did we did skip over a, a small scene where Weevil from Veronica Mars just flips out on him in the cafeteria oh yeah and, and jab, a fork like, to his jabs neck. a plastic fork into his neck which is apparent because then when Seth sits down across from Ryan he sees the fork and, and Ryan's like nothing happened. it's still in his neck <laughs> <laughs> it pretty much is. Like, those holes are still... If I, if I pull it out, it'll start bleeding. <laughs> it's so deep. Kirsten is kind of standing in the background, kind of just, like, being there so that Seth can, like, interact with Ryan. And Seth is trying to get the dirty deets on Marissa and him <laughs> during this visit. And then uh, Kirsten ends up getting catcalled by, you guessed it, Weevil. And he starts harassing her harder and harder. Ryan says, you need to stop that now. And uh, then Weevil comes over to uh, Kirsten... And Ryan ends it. Oh, okay, so here's the thing. So we we then, obviously, it goes crazy. Guards get called. Kirsten Cohen is scarred in this moment. She, she like, literally, her eyes are wide, and she's like, like, why is nothing happening? And, like, the whole time, by the way, Seth is muttering, guard, guard, <laughs> in the background, and no one's Hello? listening to him. So they cut home, and Sandy Cohen is coming home, and he walks in, and he hears video game in the background. <laughs> video game. Video game, and he says, hey, I said no video game. And when he comes into the video game room, uh, Seth is sitting down playing a video game <laughs> with Ryan, and his voice drops. So th- here's what I don't get. Me was, too, I don't get it either. Was the problem that no one was willing to bail him out? Okay, so he could release him into the care of a guardian, right? But here's the deal. Kirsten Cohen said he can't come to their home. And so the only other way to do it would be potentially legal guardian. I'm guessing because he's his lawyer, he could probably like release him into his own custody. But because Is his that actually a thing, though? We're going to say it is. I think money does a hell of a thing, though, where like she probably was like, I'll give you $100,000. Because as we found out, that's nothing to her. Because <laughs> then... What what and this is one of the things I wanted to bring up is that she all of a sudden Kirsten finally gets it because the whole time Sandy Cohen is trying to warn her and say like hey it's bad in there and I think we should keep him here until whatever but then he burns house down and Kirsten's like no more need to protect my son and he's like okay fine it's your call but she gets scarred Sandy Cohen sees this stuff every day like these are the people that he works with right like seeing fork jab and neck is not surprising to Sandy Cohen he's probably d- seen it happen in front of him, right? That's like 10 o'clock. And yeah, so, it's weird if he hasn't seen that. Yeah, exactly. Especially apparently on this Chino JDC. And so to me, it's like finally Kirsten gets that hey, it's actually bad in there. And so Ryan gets to come home. I also do feel a little weird about the way they're playing the like quote-unquote maternal instinct thing that's going on there where it's like, oh, we were just dudes hanging out. I was fine with having this dude hang out, play video game with my son, like whatever. And then like the only way they could get Kirsten to get on board was like, well, watch him get beat up by the by the one Latino on the show. I or- think maybe part of it is to, I don't think it's necessarily maternal for me. When I was reading into it, I was reading into like the bubble that she left. Then. We get to then watch Julie Cooper be a mom for a second, which is very interesting. Um, this is my this is my scene. Is I my, have a lot to say about this. Yeah, when she walks into Marissa's room. <clears throat> yeah. Oh my god. So she walks into Marissa's room, and Marissa's like doing her hair and being a little depressed in that Marissa Cooper way, where she always seems depressed. And Juju, pretty upfront, is like, "Ignore Ryan. I know you're conflicted, but just forget about him because your future is with Luke." Yeah, which is says, a weird thing to say to your 15 year old daughter. It's not 
not your yes. fault that boy is in love with you. Like, essentially. And then he's, he's not in love with me. What? He thinks he's too good for you? <laughs> and then she goes, no, actually, he thinks I'm too good for him. And well, then she well, goes into right. the, She's basically saying, we put up in too much time, energy, and effort with Luke in order to give up now. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. I'm like, what? This is like a like a high school relationship. It was very weird. Um, and super, super evil. It felt like a queen <clears throat> trying to marry off her daughter. Seriously. And, yes. and Marissa, it, That's kind the, of the acting on Misha Barton's part, and slash the writing, it was a little unclear how much Misha Barton slash Marissa Cooper, like, actually bought into what was being fed to her but she sort of agreed with Julie Cooper at the end she's like thanks mom for the talk and Julie Cooper's like that's what I'm here for and then it ends and seems like they're good and the ending of it is sort of the the first time we see Julie Cooper be like malicious it's like it feels like she's playing the cards Mm -hmm. the way she thinks they should be played and it feels like it kind of works like you kind of see it a little bit on Marissa where it kind of feels like you can watch like the the evil exit uh, Julie Cooper's mouth and just kind of like wrap around Marissa's head and then she just kind of goes oh you're right like I am good enough for Luke and too good for anyone else the evil is in the form of pink velour tracksuit Um, Those have a lot of evil built right in. We get like a quick smash cut just to let us know that Rosa is still alive. Um, And then we are back. Uh, (laughs) I always liked her. Where uh, Sandy finally goes to work and Kirsten takes Ryan and her son to to set up for Vegas night. So they go to help set up. And of course, Ryan shows up and Luke shows up. And the reception they get is vastly different. Ryan gets a bunch of looks. Julie Cooper doesn't say nice to meet you. She says, I've heard so much about you. And that's it. And then Ryan gives her a nice to meet you too. Like, yeah. Um, but then Luke comes and gets like kisses, like almost on the mouth from these women, um, which is kind of weird. It's because he's so hot. But it kind of lets you know how <laughs> revered he is, so that you kind of understand a little bit more into Julie yeah. going, "This is the person that that my daughter is with." Like, oh, he's, he's the one, golden boy. Yeah, he's, he's the, the prince. One that everyone loves. He's have the you captain seen of the him, Mark? Have you team. seen him play water polo? I haven't. He plays soccer. He plays water polo. He plays everything. He does it all. He's the beautiful man. So we see these two people, um, these these this Ryan and this Luke, um, and they're very strong. And uh, what does she call them? She says, now that we have our strong, strapping men, time for some heavy lifting. Yes, as as immediately it jump cuts to Seth Cohen yeah. filling balloons. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's, the two, <laughs> Luke, and, Luke and Ryan are there for the heavy lifting. <laughs> Seth Cohen is there to fill yeah. up balloons. <laughs> he knows his role, though. He, didn't, he just was already over there. He probably was like, yeah, I'm the He's always the balloon guy. Oh, man. The original balloon boy. Yeah, so we get this whole scene where, like, people are setting up various things, and as they're setting up, they're having very important conversations. Ryan and Marissa have one where Ryan's trying to maybe make it up to her and, like, kind of say, hey, like, I'm back now, and potentially, you know, I didn't maybe mean to say what I wanted. But then she says, you're right. We are from different worlds. And I'm like... Dang. Yeah. That's not even the coldest line in the conversation, though. What is? She ends it with, good luck with everything. (laughs) Um, I really like scenes like this where everyone has something important to say to at least two different people. Yeah. And all of them have tasks that can get them out of having those conversations. (laughs) 100%. It's just like like shots of people and glances. Every time Luke and Ryan are about to, like, interact, Kirsten's like, let's find you a job. (laughs) I I did, like, when Luke is carrying the table and Marissa's like, hey, can we talk? And Luke just, like, looks, like, off camera across the table. He's like, who do you want to talk to? And then, like, Ryan comes in to carry the other end of the table. 
Yeah, so we get an amazing scene, though, off of this where they go to a coffee shop and Julie and one of the other noopsies are kind of shit-talking the Coens. And she says, like, all I know is that the police are taking criminals off the street and Sandy Cohen is bringing them into our backyard or whatever. Um, And Sandy's just, like, listening to this whole thing. And then he just decides, hey, I'm going to get up and talk to these people. Not only talk to them, sit down next to them and eat the top off of their muffin. Eat the muffin top. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) What can you do? do you know you were being a dick julie cooper's face was like he's eating my muffin but also <laughs> i deserve this <laughs> like yes. that's a bold power move and i respect that <laughs> he's like so what are what are we does he pull out a chair and sit on it backwards or am i just imagining that i don't know head? if he does but i want to believe <laughs> like a, that. you know like a cool like middle school that's teacher, in my head like, canon hey now um yeah no he absolutely though sits down and grabs the top off her muffin just eats it shoves it right in his mouth doesn't even say like i hope you don't mind and it's just perfect and, and defends his wife too yeah. in the process every single look he gives Julie and every single look Julie gives him are perfect like they're perfect adversarial people and it's just it's great oh uh, also he brings up the fact that Julie is from a Riverside oh yeah we find out that Julie's from Riverside which is not that different from the OC no or but from Chino, wait, Chino. yeah Very which I actually really appreciate that little bit of narrative put in that Julie Cooper who we've only seen as this like manipulative velour tracksuit wearing woman <laughs> is actually like she's she's got a past mm-hmm. and we find out more of that throughout the seasons they oh, just yeah. keep diving into it but, but. It, it's so perfect because that is the perfect like background for a person like that right yeah, like totally you understand why because she, she doesn't want to lose yeah she's protective this. of it in a way like she's trying to trash other people not because they're <laughs> trash but because she wants to keep herself up with them so then we <laughs> cut back and the people are still setting up so apparently julie and this woman have left drink set up and sandy was taking a lunch break or whatever i mean Ryan, if i was julie cooper that's what i would do i'd make everyone else do the work and, and then, then go get coffee. leaving it <laughs> go get a muffin go get yeah, a muffin can't even enjoy and another napkin because sandy cohen has written down something on your but anyway, uh, Kirsten and Ryan and Seth are like setting up cards for the card tables and Kirsten starts talking about her job and Ryan ends up being really interested into it. And not only interested, but he knows a lot because he was in construction, right? And he do- does the line, I used to want to be an art- architect. And she says, well, what do you want to be now? And he says, 17, which is so good. such a yeah. good line. God. But also like, it really can't be overstated in this episode how good of an actor Ben McKenzie is. <laughs> He's so so good, because because him saying like what do you like what do you want to be now seventeen he says it was sort of a laugh and it's just it's just perfect and he's got another line read later in the episode that is absolutely just perfect too so we could do another cut I apparently have just written down Jimmy is a slovenly piece of shit is what I wrote down his facial hair is so nasty it's so gross and he has borrowed a hundred thousand dollars from his friend and is still eating chips on the couch we haven't seen him get up off the couch yet. Yeah. And hasn't moved. <laughs> uh, Julie Cooper is ragging on the Coens, especially Kirsten, to which uh, Jimmy says, well, I wouldn't, you know, rag on them. They're why we're, they bailed us out, essentially. And Jimmy feels like it's the first time we've seen Jimmy sort of, bri- you know, he's got his asshole clenched so tight for yeah. the first two episodes. And then the third one, you finally see him be like, well, I'm going to lose it for a little bit here. And he admits to Julie. Yeah, he gets a little bit well, of a backbone And he also there. like sticks up to her for the first time, kind of yeah. like. Because he's it feels very desperate, but yes. Yeah. There and there is the moment where where she says, like, well, Sandy basically called me white trash. He's like, he's like well, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. He said I was from Riverside. And then he's like, You are from, from Riverside. Riverside. <laughs> Again, also the line like, I wouldn't call it a handout, it was a hundred thousand dollars. And then the look on her face is just 
priceless. It, I, it is telling that Jimmy will pretty much only push back this hard when she goes after Kirsten. And it's also interesting because the look she gives is like uh, shocked, betrayed, whatever, but you can already see, like you know, it is foreshadowing to how she's going to fuck up Kirsten and Sandy for giving them this handout. She's another move ahead. And that's why I yeah. like the the idea of like her and An Sandy. An OC branded chessboard. Yeah. Her <gasps> and Sandy. She the queen. <laughs> being adversaries. It's like, it's a little emotional, but you don't lose your cool just because yeah. someone put someone I mean, took one of your pieces. It's very old yes. fashioned. It feels very like. You regroup and yeah. you attacked. So then Sandy finds Ryan's mom in a laundromat, working the laundromat. I, by the way, love, one thing I really like about this show is whenever they go from a rich area to a poor area, the poor neighborhood is always shot like like with like blues and grays and yeah. blacks. And then rich neighborhoods are always have oranges, which is why when they're in prison, they aren't wearing orange jumpsuits, they're wearing blue. Yeah. Um, and, and the whole thing is like, it very much is is this stark contrast, this like granite. And so you get that when you hit that laundromat with, with this woman, you kind of realize oh, she's desperate. She's in this state of poor because they've given you the poor lighting. Um, and then we hit the helm again. And there's this really great moment I missed the first couple times I watched it, and I'm not sure how, but um, Kirsten and Seth and Ryan are coming back from setting up the casino, um, and they're going to get ready to go to casino night. And they enter the home, and as they're entering the home, and before they see anything else, Kirsten offers to take Ryan on an architectural tour of the area. And it's super sweet. Like, yeah. it's this moment where Kirsten is, like, okay. actually, like, maybe mothering him a little bit. Yes, but... <laughs> Let me just say that she says there's actually a lot of really interesting historical homes in the area. And I was like, bull fucking shit. <laughs> no way. She, you tore them all down. No, yeah. Outside of mansion. the neighborhood of Newport. Yeah. Outside of this like tiny condo area, maybe. But yeah, you're right. But then, of course, uh, they enter the room and Ryan's mother is there. What is her name again? Her name is Dawn. Dawn is there. Dawn Atwood. Dan Dawn, Dawn Atwood. Atwood. Yeah. So then uh, we get more Rosa. Rosa's offering care. Carrots. Sorry, I just got a shout out anytime. Um, yeah. There's a Latino. She deserves um, it. The candles are lit because whenever we find uh, somebody's mother, the candles get lit. Um, it's that kind of that kind of dinner. They're having dinner. Uh, <laughs> Don is discussing like various gross things. Seth makes a really great gross face, and basically, it's like her saying things and Ryan brooding about every single thing she's saying. Mostly with valid reasons to brood. I, I I find that obviously Ryan has all of these reasons to be pissed off, but he's being a non-Ryan Atwood-esque dick in this mm -hmm. scene. I think he's like, a, it, it's over the top. Again, there are reasons, like keep the show going, drama, whatever. Also like actual reasons. And he's been hurt before. He's been he's hurt. He's up. been hurt. But he's also like, he's making a scene and yeah. that's not the Ryan Atwood way, which throws me off a little. But he does sort of like, every time his mom sort of like, Haha, so blah da 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 and Ryan is just sort of smacks his fork down and he's like, so why'd you do that then? Like, Also, can I just say how Ryan storms out of the room is not logical. He storms <laughs> around the table table so basically ryan needs to take a left but he decides in order to storm out he's going to push his chair and go all the way around just so he can like bump into his mom on the way out and it's just like oh you were such a teen like <laughs> oh this is so teen oh it's so perfect and teen you're doing this so well oh it's so teen um you went out of your way to be a dick for no reason yep. okay so here's the thing ryan and by extension i suppose ben mckenzie it's 
such good acting, but I'm not sure if it's not that. It's also like really good cinematography mm-hmm. because when he enters the pool house, his mom comes in and in her corner, there's a bunch of color. His corner, it's all black. But in this scene, it is the smallest that Ryan has ever looked in the show. Absolutely. Like he physically, like I don't know what he's doing, but he's clenching his whole body. It's in, it's down. He's not just slouching. He's like literally hobbled while standing. Yeah. Like it's really great because like you're realizing like, no, he is really hurt. Like he's really fucked up over everything that happened in his childhood. Like it's like actual fear. Yeah. It's yeah. fear. And, yeah. and it's like, it's like, I, I know who you have been and I can't do it right now. And like literally even when he like, she's about to kind of leave and he's like, wait, she kind of comes back and he like hunches farther and like backs away from her. And it's just like, we need to take this slowly. And and it's by... Well, yeah, well, that, I like that that's his response. So she's like, will you ever forgive me? And he's like, I just need time, which seemed like, I don't know. Again, that whole scene is absolutely amazing. It's really in, well shot. In the, in the visuals and also just the writing. Mm-hmm. Is- I was really impressed at how well they were able to convey this relationship that we have not seen barely at all. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just, you just like, you understand so much about these two people. We haven't seen it since before the first credits in the first yeah. episode. And you really don't see much there. And it was, it was. Because she just like shows really up in her car and, and then she's like, ugh. Yeah. You know, we were sort of given this yeah. like, mom has bad boyfriend, mom is not yeah, stable. Was, but this is like an actual moment where you're like, yeah. holy shit. Like this is, this is something like every teen and parent goes through at varying levels. So then they, after that, they, um, I'm presuming that she stays the night. Um, and then they apparently have a really nice day out together where they're shopping for various clothes for the uh, casino night that night. And when they come back, Seth and Kirsten have been talking and Seth is like, I think you should try to convince her to stay because like I don't know how much we can trust her and Kirsten's like well I don't know but then by the end of the conversation that they have with them like Kirsten is telling her hey we think it'd be a great idea if you would stay and she's like oh I don't know about that and she's like are you sure like we have a casino night here's my thing Dawn is a recovering alcoholic by circa a week right like she's seven days sober inviting her to a casino night you where can there's see the look booze in her eye. everywhere. Yeah. She her reaction is actually pretty responsible of saying, I don't think that's a good idea. And then the Coens keep pushing it. It's like she's she probably should not go. And it, and it shows like a general level of naivety yeah, oh, completely. that Kirsten has, but also like in her head it's probably just like, "Oh, well I've made the I got Ryan out of jail. We found his mom. They're going to stay here. Everything's fine now." Yeah. And then for the next 5 minutes and 30 seconds, it is probably the best 5 minutes and 30 seconds of television I've ever seen in my life. The casino scene from the point so- that so the good. Tom starts hitting the floor oh. when like him and his mom are starting that conversation. Like, so she's dressed up, she gets really nice and dressed up. The second they enter the building that the casino night is happening in, boom, doom, 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 this Tom rolls, and the Tom keeps going the entire ep- the entire five minutes and 30 seconds until the commercial cue, and it is perfect. I'm totally convinced that you could take this and recut it into a trailer for like Ocean's Eleven Six. <laughs> Once the drums start, it it is lit, everything is perfect. It's just the perfect scene. And so many interactions happen. And the greatest part is like this camera that what it does is it fixates on something and then it like moves with a person that's moving and then it stops. 
on a different scene that we're watching. And then like, it'll cut to another person and then just kind of follow them for a while and then hit like another scene. And it's just perfect. Cause like, it feels like you're in there and everything is happening and like everyone's so close together and they're having all these different conversations and it's just so fast paced and beautiful. Can we talk about what I thought was actually genuinely interesting in Luke and Ryan's interactions? Go for it. So Luke and Ryan are both, you know, where they're at right now is they both got in a lot of trouble, which is awkward, but Luke also sort of saved his life and they're... They were both fighting over Marissa, but Marissa seems kind of uninterested in both of them right now. Or, well, she's trying to hang out with Luke, but everything's pretty neutrally uncomfortable right now. And they're both trying to, like, Ryan's trying to talk to Luke, but Luke's not trying to talk to Ryan. It's like, da-da-da-da-da. And what I thought was interesting, which we don't see on TV a lot or anywhere, is, like, Ryan was like, hey, listen, she chose you, man. Like, he was like, I understand that we both did really horrible things, but I'm out because she made her decision. So let's stop being dicks at Vegas night. And like, let's just enjoy the night, which I don't know. I thought, I thought that was like actually kind of, it's like the same thing when Luke went back and saved him and like yeah. admitted to the accident. I was like, oh, it's like an olive branch. It's a weird olive branch. It's but, a really weird olive branch. Because he is lying. Well, but, I mean, <laughs> she is, but, but as far as he knows, because they, the, the, right before that, she, he has the conversation with Marissa because remember his mom's like, go talk to her so that I can drink secretly. And he's like, great. And so he goes and talks to Marissa and it, she's like, oh, that's your mom. And he's like, yep. And she's like, oh, I guess that means you're going home. And he goes, yeah. Up, and then she gives him the line, good luck with everything, to which he says, have a nice life. That's the last line he gives her. And then, it, of course, when he bumps into Luke, Luke's like, I don't want to talk to you. And he, yes, he has that conversation. He just says, like, look, she chose you. You're the one she wants. And then walks away. So close to the end of this five minute and 30 second piece, Sandy sees Kirsten with Jimmy after having found out from Julie. But that, God, that was so perfect. Julie walking up to Sandy and just being like, hey, so thank you so much for the $100,000 check. And Sandy tries so hard not to give a face and just says, oh yeah, no, it's it's no big, you know, it's no big deal. It's like, you know, what, what we would do for a friend. And, you know, obviously then he doesn't know because you can see the look on his face afterwards. And then he sees Kirsten talking to Jimmy and his brain goes crazy. And at the same time, Kirsten then turns, sees Don ordering a seven and seven. Like, it's such good, like, cinematography because you see, like, like he is seeing what he thinks is something bad. Kirsten now is seeing what she thinks is something. Like, everyone is, like, has different things in their scope and they're all so, like... Perfect. Anyway. And the drums are still going. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Then, commercial break. And <laughs> a new jazz song starts up. Different, not driving beat, but just kind of very like Big bandy, yeah. A little bit more, as you would say, uh, sauced, if you will. Like it really is. It's like what Frank Sinatra would be kind of stumbling around stage to. Yeah, like act two. Um, and by the way, this scene only lasts three minutes. From commercial break to commercial break. No way. It's incredible. So Luke goes over to Marissa, puts his hand on her hand as she's holding a uh, slot. slot, Like what do they call it? Like a slot bar or like a puller or whatever. A lever. A lever. And he like grabs the lever with her and he kind of gives her like the let's try this again. Yeah, like boner. Right? (laughs) Can Can I say something? Is that all Luke needed to hear? That she chose him? Apparently. From a, from a third party? Because he doesn't Be- want to talk to her? Because, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, it makes sense to me, honestly. It, it, For me, though, because last last conversation we had about the second episode was part of the reason he was so pissed off was because he potentially, like, Ryan could have done something bad to her. Like, Ryan could have, like, sexually assaulted her, right? Yeah. 
And so apparently that's out the window because the only thing he then cared about was that he was occupying the same space as Marissa. That's all he cares about because clearly that's the only thing that made him change. He heard it from Ryan. Nothing happened and she chose you. And then Luke's like, okay, great. I'm back in and let's try this again. Let's pull this lever again. Let's gamble this and it's, pulls that it's lever. It's called the gamble mark. I don't Ooh. know what more you need. <laughs> but also it's like, it's it's like all Luke needed was just someone to tell him, no, dude, you won. You yeah. won. The, it was it's another all, man. It's all a competition. Yeah. He, he needed to hear, In the you language won. Luke understands. I lost. <laughs> Luke no, only but, understands but honestly, like that, you win, I think I that's lose. why I'm so engaged by this concept of Ryan going up to him and being like, it's yours, man. Because it's, like that scene, it's so, like Ryan knew exactly what he needed to hear. It is yeah. very good. Then in a row, we get three different duos that correct things. So we get Kirsten going to Don and saying, don't you think you've had enough? When Don is, by the way, ordering the second drink that Kirsten has watched her consume, right? It's so far a seven and seven and a thing of champagne. Could be more. Then Sandy comes over and says, excuse me, can I talk to my wife? Starts correcting Kirsten. Then right after that, Julie goes over to uh, Jimmy Jimmy, and and, and basically says, uh, who who needs chips? You have Kirsten in front of everyone (laughs) uh, right in a row. She's like, you're going to drop that bombshell on me? I'm going to fuck your life up. (laughs) And so... uh, Sandy talk. Sandy being upset with Kirsten is great television. Like the long shot of him being like the arm shot, gestures, but then going to the kind of farther away where they go outside, they take it outside together, yeah. and she's like, "I swear, nothing else happened." And then he goes, "Well, let me take you a journey down my neuroses for the past hour." <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, and, and also, he says like it's not about the money. Like yeah. she says something about about it just being alone. Well, and and it's of my money, and he's yeah. like. Because he's like, no, 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 no. It's not about that. It's yeah, about. Yeah, it better not have been my hundred thousand yeah. dollars <laughs> so, <laughs> that I make in a year. And then uh, who tries to help the situation? <laughs> the slovenly asshole Jimmy Cooper he used to stay comes in his outside. Lane. Uh, comes outside and says, "I don't know what." And then he says, "I'm trying to have a conversation with my wife." Commercial break. Like, <laughs> it's just three minutes of television and so much happened. Like, it's so They very couldn't good. make it any longer because so much happened. Uh, by the way, the entire time this has been happening, Seth Cohen uh, and Summer are just having a completely different story arc together. Like, oh my like God, it's the, so good. Like Seth, the, Summer thinks that Seth is like a good luck charm and Seth has like been obsessing over this girl for years <laughs> and she's like, blow on my dice. And he's like, excuse me? And it works every time for, for craps and it's, uh, it's pretty cute. And yeah. this is like the G plot of yeah. the episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is this is the least important plot of the episode. And but like it is pretty great because we get our first summer eye roll, which is per- like real one. It's so good when uh, he's ordering uh, two Mountain Dews, sir, and he slaps like the money on the table <laughs> because he's high rolling right now. Um, and she uh, has yelled so far. Uh, he's she called him Sid Stanley and uh, Rabbit's Foot. Um, so he's doing really great right now in the name market. But she finally pulls him. She rolls her eyes, and he. Seth Cohen and the movie isn't even out yet, but he he gives her like the the Leonardo DiCaprio like glass in the air head tilt down thing. It's like the, from the Great Gatsby. Yes, from Great Gatsby. That movie isn't out yet, but that is the exact <laughs> thing that he gives him with a Mountain Dew, and then 
uh, walks back to the table. So uh, Kirsten is getting chewed out by Sandy Cohen, and what saves her? Dawn collapsing. Uh, Ryan's mom has now had too much to drink, and literally, like, she's still in this conversation with Jimmy and her husband, and Dawn collapses into a table, at which point Kirsten, like, runs Doesn't she, like, run into a waiter or something? Yeah, she runs into a waiter and then falls into a table and the table breaks. The whole room is alerted. Um, I I think the music might even stop. Yeah, the music definitely stops. Yeah, definitely. It's your classic scene. That music Um, was all alive. And here's a couple really important things happen right there. So she hits the ground. Ryan is paralyzed. Like, he's not doing anything. He's staring at her. He's right there. But he hasn't even, he hasn't talked to her. He's literally just standing there. So a couple really important things happen. One, Seth, who has been with Summer this whole time, hands Summer the dice or whatever, like, and basically says, like, I gotta go. Like, he's in love with this girl. He's been in love with her his whole life. But he's, at this moment, choosing Ryan over her. He's saying, look, I need to go take care of this. Bye. And so he does. And she rolls her eyes again at him. Luke, Luke's two best friends who uh, helped beat up Ryan, uh, talk about how they could easily lay the woman who has passed out. Gives her the, that lady is wasted. I bet you could bang her. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Great for that line. Thanks, gentlemen. But then Luke, instead of being on that side of things, goes and helps. He's standing next to Marissa and he actually like gets up and starts making a move over towards like helping potentially. And uh, they kind of help lift her up and she's like again being kind of like crazy. And um, as she's walking out, Marissa wraps her whole hand around Luke's thumb. <laughs> Uh, don't know why it was like that. She's really bad at holding hands. And, uh, Are her hands too small? I don't it's know. Like everyone with small hands, I know and appreciate Yeah, it's that. just around okay. his thumb, and then we get that close-up. Um, and then the next thing we know, she's uh, passed out in the pool house. Ryan is watching her. Morning happens. He's passed out in the pool house. She's w- looking over him. So she's got her, all of her stuff packed the next morning, Don does. Um, and she's, she, the quickest I've ever seen somebody put sunglasses on, by the way, in my life. It was literally <laughs> like, it cuts to the door being opened. She didn't have her sunglasses on. The door opens. Her sunglasses are there. And it's just beautiful. Um, and Kirsten has once again caught somebody trying to uh, <laughs> escape. escape. <laughs> she, <laughs> prison warden Kirsten Cohen has now caught another person. Um, and then there's, they're outside together talking at the same time. She gives the line, I'm not a mess, or I'm a mess, not a mother. And it's very, gosh, this is the scene where I had tears. Uh, mm-hmm. at least two yeah. of the times I watched. I think three of the times. It's just rough. Like, I, I started crying before Ryan came out even, like, because she's just expressing to her, look, like, I failed. Like, this is it. And my son is not good with me, and I can't take care of him. She literally says, I'm not capable of taking yeah. care of she's him. She's like, this will be the first good thing I ever did. God, that's such she's a good, like. She also is like, the way your husband looks at you, the way your son looks at you, the way my yeah, son looks at you. And I was like, yeah. oh. It feels, it feels genuinely like she wants better for him. Yeah, and feels like this is the best way. So she does that. Um, and as she's leaving, Ryan opens the door. And Ryan like is just like dumbfounded and gives her a wave kind oh, of. That's and so sad. She oh, waves back. And it's just like, oh, my they God. They both know. Oh. And so we get cut inside the house. <laughs> Sandy has burned his hands on toast. I don't know if anyone else got this. <laughs> so they cut to the inside, and Sandy and Seth are preparing breakfast, and Sandy Cohen has grabbed toast directly out of the toaster, and it hurts him. <laughs> and he goes, ow! And he throws the toast in the air, and it's so not meant for us to see it, but it is so funny, and so what I need every time I'm, like, half in tears about this family situation, and inside Sandy Cohen is burning his hands on pieces of toast. This, this toast is burning. 
God, it's so good. And so uh, she basically introduces him to the household as a member of their household. Kirsten Cohen comes yeah, in and basically just in. says. Which is awesome. It's so yeah. good. And also feels like, you know, we've talked about this being basically these three episodes being a made-for-TV movie pilot that could be combined into one one feature thing. Mm-hmm. And it does feel like a bookend sort of yeah. in some way to being like, all right, here we go. We're going to start this journey. 100%. And the lines at the end of the episode are perfect where, you know, she, she does the, she, she says the, are we okay? Well, they first say they love each other yeah. very much. And then she goes, are we okay? And he goes, yeah. And she's like, good. Because we just got in way over our heads. <laughs> yeah. And then it jump cuts to the two boys either watching something or maybe playing video games. Seth again. is just talking at Ryan. It's yeah. all about summer the <laughs> night like, before. And then, but by the way, if you have the captions on, it says, and then she said, blow on these, which of course, and then it cuts away. <laughs> <laughs> it's so perfect. It was, yeah, it just kind of like pans away to black. And he's like, that's just the two um, of them in their natural state. And yeah, that, that's the perfect ending to the I movie. do I do like the um, uh, Sandy and Kirsten checkups like that, which happened. <laughs> Every once in a while in the show, where they're just sort of like, "Are we good?" Mm-hmm. And they kind of they give them the time, the air time to do that, to yeah. just sort mm-hmm. of be like, "We're good, right?" I actually think that's kind of a valuable lesson to maybe teach children that are watching. Like, yeah. hey, when you're in a marriage, you can feel free to like check in with your partner and say, <laughs> "Like, how are we doing? Like, are we okay? Like, yeah. that's good." Also, what you left out when Ryan says, "I'll unpack later," because the way he says that—that that was so cute. I was wondering if that was your other one. That was my other one. Yeah. It's cute. It's so cute. He just—he's just—he's so happy. And again, and he looks so small. He's like, and he's—he's eh. he's a little restrained. He's just like a little puppy. This, yeah. Like, I'll unpack later, and then he just sort of bounces off with Seth. So, can I just throw a couple of contenders at you? I want you guys can give the whys for yours, but mm-hmm. uh, when I was scoring it live, the top two for me were Julie and Kirsten. Uh, Mm -hmm. They had so many good moments, both of them, in this episode. Kirsten, especially at the end, like, had so many just like, uh, uh." I feel like this is a really weak performance by Marissa. I feel like she's definitely losing the belt no matter what this week. Oh, yeah. I feel like it is hands down Julie Cooper. Um, I think that uh, she instigates, she's nasty, she's beautiful. And it's the first time that I think we see that look in Melinda Clark, the actress's eye, where she's like, I see something I don't like and I'm going to fuck up everyone involved in the information that I just got. Which is sort of her character for the whole show. She's like back and forth on a lot of things. She's she only cares about herself. And this is the first time we really see her act on it. I think the conversation she has with Marissa in the pink filler tracksuit is like so scathing and it's it's engaging. It really just gets me into like how, I don't know, not to steal your words from last <laughs> time, but you were talking about how Marissa is the gravity of episode two. I feel like we can see we can see Julie Cooper, who is we know she's always going to be a secondary character, but we can see her try and like <laughs> just dig her way out of there. She absolutely jumped off the top rope. Like she, this was an episode yes. for Julie where she was like, "Hey, they've written me lines. I'm going to eat this fucking episode." Like, and she really does. She like eats the scenes that she's in where she every scene you're watching her face to see what her face is doing. It's not even just her words. The She's- look in her eye is so good. Yeah. That's that's my choice. And I make the case for Kirsten Cohen. I say, Kirsten's my winner. Kirsten Cohen is so very good in this episode. And and it's not that Julie Cooper isn't because obviously literally like I think when they 
when I was telling it, I think I had Kirsten by one point over Julie. Mm -hmm. But like for me, it was like uh, it was really Kirsten is very much the force in this episode or in the series so far that's been keeping Ryan out of this house. Like in in both obviously in Ryan's actions because he has not always done things, but and she's been rational. Like as we've discussed, like with looking at her actions, we're kind of like I get why she would believe this. But in this this episode, she is the impetus for like a lot of the things happening. Like she's trying to be her best person and and she's vulnerable in scenes like the, like towards the end when she's like when, when Don is talking about what a great mom she is and the look that her husband and her son and, and Ryan give her about how everything's gonna be okay her look they cut to her face a lot and she's so she doesn't know what to do but the acting is so very good and her character is so very good and she makes a lot of really great choices in this episode even though Julie Cooper is like what starts a lot of the conflict I feel like Kirsten both like is the reason for some of it, but also the cure for a lot of it as well. She's had this like arc from the beginning where she's like, what are you doing bringing this kid home? And it's like this slow progression of her like actually getting to know Ryan as a person and like liking him and wanting him to stay. And at the end, it's kind of solves this big question that's been up in the air of the first three episodes. She's like, how is he going to end up staying here? Because we all kind of know well, he'll end up here eventually because otherwise we wouldn't have yeah, a show. Have 27 yeah. episodes. But like, how is it going to work out? Because it's constantly, like Sandy says earlier in the episode, he's like, we can't keep jerking this kid, you know, around, yeah. in and out and all. You know, so, like, she kind of resolves that. And from here, there's the point where, like, the show kind of, I want to say starts, but kind of starts. Yeah, and she's really one of the common threads through everything. Like, through Julie Cooper's hate of her to uh, being able to visit him in prison. Like, that's what allows Seth to get there. She's the thread that, again, creates Dawn's maybe uh, relay. <laughs> Lapse, which you can take as a good or bad point, but it was there. Um, and and again, like brings Ryan to a place that Luke is at the beginning of the casino day. You know what I mean? Like she's the reason for a lot of the action. Dan, what are you thinking? It, this is actually incredibly hard for me uh, because just in terms of like pure impact, long-term impact it's Kirsten for sure. Short-term impact just for this episode, though, I think I got to go with Julie. She just dominates everything she's in. Yeah. And she makes mm-hmm. so much out of so little. I feel like, and again, my number two was Kirsten Cohen. Um, oh, oh, it's clearly between those Oh, two. absolutely. Clearly, for sure. I think that I put more value on this episode's contender who like I think I think Kirsten a lot of the ways that she is resolving things and pushing the plot forward is half pitying half rolling over she's she's not making moves she's relenting she's relenting and it's genuine but her purpose is wrapping up this three episode arc in a way that's packageable and yeah. continues the series on. And with Julie, Julie's like, oh, you ate my muffin top? I'm going to... Destroy your life. I'm going to try and ruin <laughs> your I'm marriage. I'm going to fuck your life like- So because the, the tiebreaker for me, I think, is just going to be, though, that last moment where Kirsten comes in and just goes... Ryan will be staying with us. That's a good one, yeah. And that's what's going to tip me over just for this one thing. Mm-hmm. So I got to go with Kirsten. Wow. Okay. But it was really hard. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I feel like, yeah. <laughs> and I, and I felt, felt like I had, I had to go one way or the other because I was the only one who wasn't committed. Yeah, no, I, I, I respect the Kirsten win for sure. <laughs> and yeah. here's the thing. Yeah, like Julie, Julie fought this one out yeah. like nobody's business. If, if we could give ties. So what are we going to go with? for quote of the episode. Does anyone have any candidates other than me? I, I said I'll unpack later because it got me right. I also, I mean, I feel like my, my couple that I wanted to throw out were the 
be I used to want to be an architect. What do you want to be now? Seventeen. I think that's, that's it for me. So yeah, good. good. And then also the she chose you. You're the one she wants. And then the walk away. I I really really like like what do you want to be now? Seventeen. That one yeah. is very good. I think that's that. I think that's got to be it. Okay. I think we're gonna we're gonna uh, embroider that on the belt this week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Also, Julie's is also an honorable mention of the Who Needs Chips? You have Kirsten. That's so <laughs> fucking good. All right, facts. Tell us how it is. All right. So, this first aired on August 19th, 2003. Nice. Uh, North Korea was in the news then, um, <laughs> as it is now. What was that like? <laughs> At the time, they were seeking a non-aggression pact with the U.S. and diplomatic rep- recognition. And without that, they said they would continue to pursue their nuclear arms. And South Korea was worried that because the Bush administration planned to move U.S. troops from the demilitarized zone, that we were going to go to war with North Korea. In another round of the more things change, the more they say the same, there was a headline that just said, Mideast peace hopes dim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on August 14th, so a little before this, um, there was the blackout in the northeastern United States. Oh, um, if you yeah. guys remember that? I remember being gone at camp when it happened and then coming home and hearing all about it. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> None of this is significant to me. Uh, Attorney General John Ashcroft praised the success of the Patriot Act. And I looked up, it's the all caps USA Patriot Act. And that stands for. Uh, uniting and strengthening America by providing appropriate tools required to intercept and obstruct terrorism act of 2001. This was really the golden age of, <laughs> of spelling of acronyms. Now it's now it's like shit like the tax cut act. But here's the thing, here's the thing. I think this is significant because this is this is in the era of the fear of the other, right? And like that's why Sandy Cohen's saying like maybe I'll bring a black guy. Like what if he had said like maybe I'll bring like, you know, uh an Iraqi into the neighborhood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a little too fresh. <laughs> yeah. It's too fresh, but like that's kind of like the time period. It's fear of the other, man. That's the Patriot Act. That's mm-hmm. all that's about. Yeah. I looked up some TV shows that ended in 2003. Wow. Um, two big ones um that I think maybe had an impact on the OC because they were big teen ones were Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <gasps> and Dawson's Creek Both ended, ended within a week of each other in May. Wow. Also, so people who were looking for Dawson's Creek needed a new came. show, and they just went right to the yeah. OC. Uh, and then also uh, Futurama was canceled on oh. August 10th, for like one 2003, of the first before it came back. And it was airing on Fox, so it just overlapped with the OC. Um, that's that's how I got to the OC. Was Futurama? I, it, must, it must have been after episodes of Futurama. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense for you. It's embarrassing, Dan. The was... top song was Still Crazy in Love. Ah, sweet. And it still is. It still is. <laughs> much, it's, like, much like dim hopes in the Middle East. It's, it's been 14 years and we've never had a better song. <laughs> the championship vote goes to Crazy in we Love, had, dim hopes for the Middle we East. Had, we had Crazy in Love, briefly Call Me Maybe was in there, and then it went right yeah. back to it's Crazy, crazy in, in Love. love. Um, a couple of miscellaneous 2003 events, because we aren't covering the whole year. Apple's launched the iTunes Music Store in 2003. That is crucial. That is actually crucial. That is crucial. Yeah. This um, is such a music-driven show. Show. Music driven show, and I, 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 there's probably things written about this that make a lot more sense than what I'm just gonna say off the top of my head. But like, iTunes Music Store made singles a thing you could like yeah. be into. You didn't have to get the whole damn album. You could download whatever song. You could you download wanted. California by Phantom Planet and the two Rooney songs that they play in the yeah. OC, and, and that that's it. it, and that's fine. Yeah. I, I did not. I bought their album before that was on. <laughs> I was young. Kurt's just giving us the facts. Um, the fifth Harry Potter book was released in June after the three-year wait. My favorite one? Between, it is my, my favorite, too. And then I looked up a little bit about Daphne Ashbrook, who plays Ryan's mom, Dawn Atwood. She um, is one of only ten actors to be credited in both Star Trek and Doctor Who. 
Whoa. She was in Star Trek De- Deep Space Nine, and then she was in the Doctor Who 1996 telemovie, where she was the first character to romantically kiss the Doctor. <gasps> what? <laughs> That's huge. <laughs> to quote Wikipedia, it Dawn. caused consternation among some fans and set a precedent for the more sexually charged nature of the new series. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect, Curbs. Thanks for laying down the facts, yeah. Curbs. So congratulations to, congratulations to Kirsten Cohen for coming Cheered. up the top row. She deserves it. She really did a great job. She did good. Julie Cooper was, Julie Cooper was absolutely the heel in this one and was mm-hmm. absolutely coming for that belt and Kirsten Cohen got a late pin I would say at yeah. the very end of the episode to kind of solidify that win but absolutely. it was very hard fought by both sides cool I think that's it so one more time we love the OC I love the OC I mean I love the Now that it's over